glad that you're here. I'm Ryan, one of the pastors, and uh, we're glad that you, you found out the right time to be at church today. You know, I thought that would be great. There'll probably be some people maybe showing up at 11 saying, hey, I'm here for church, and everything got switched around on you. So thanks for being flexible with us. We say to our team a lot, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken, right? And it's not a scripture verse. We just kind of made it up, but I think it's true. And we're kind of doing this thing as a whole church. And so two weeks from today is our grand opening at um, the high school, as long as Family Fun Fest. We'll talk more about that at the end. But today we're excited uh, to just carry on this new series that we're doing called Light and learning how we can share our faith with others. And so right inside of your bulletins should be some message notes if you want to grab those out and you can do some fill in the blank and take that with you today. We also want to say welcome to those of you watching in the parent viewing room. That's a great place to go if you have little ones that get fussy during the service. Just pass our donuts and coffee. You'll find a room there where you can watch the service live with us. And so this morning, um, as we continue this series, my dad shared last week a very simple tool of how you can begin to share your faith. And it's important that we talk about this. And I just want to say up front that if you're not a Christ follower uh, and you're here with us today, we're so glad that you're here. But today probably won't apply to you. But it is a great day for you to listen in kind of on what drives us as individuals and as a church. Because if you took a serious look at our DNA as a church and all that we do, it really boils down to this. That we want to lead people simply into a relationship with Christ. We want to lead people simply into a growing relationship with Christ. And that's at the forefront of who we are and all that we do. And because it is our desire that our heart matches up with God's heart. And I hope that if you're a Christ follower today, you want your heart to line up with God's heart. And here's a snapshot of God's heart right here in Luke 19.10. Can we all read this together? It says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the whole reason that God sent his son Jesus to take on human form, to die for us, so that he would seek and save that which was lost so that we could be saved from an eternal hell and that we could have a life-changing relationship with him here and forever in eternity. And the Bible is pretty clear that as followers of Jesus, really we're to do two things. We're to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. And whenever you hit the pause button to think, how much do I love myself? If we were honest, we'd probably say we love ourselves a lot. That's why we tend to put ourselves before other people. But Jesus said, I want you to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. And if you love yourself, would you want to exclude an opportunity for you to be in heaven? Of course you wouldn't take that opportunity away from yourself. We wouldn't want to miss that. And it's in this same tone that Jesus, the greatest communicator of all time, begins to tell this kind of imagery for us to follow when it comes to us shining brightly for him. And we pick this up in Matthew 5.14. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Can we all say that together? You are the light of the world. Now this week I did an extensive Hebrew and Greek study on the word you. And guess what? It still means you, right? So turn to the person next to you and say, you're the light of the world. Come on, go ahead and tell them right now. Look at the person behind you and say, you're the light of the world. You are the light. Jesus is saying this directly to us. Whether we're a mom, a dad, a student, a grandpa, grandma, whether we are a business person, whether we're a school teacher, it doesn't matter what position that we hold. God says, if you're going to be a follower of me, I want to get one thing clear, that I'm, I'm, I'll come back one day, but my time on earth, Jesus left. 
And he gave us the Holy Spirit. We'll talk more about that in a second. But he said, now you, as my followers, you, you are the light of the world. And it simply means this. You're first filling on your notes. You're the light of the world means that you are the only hope that lost and dying people have. That got heavy pretty quick, didn't it? Wow. Thanks for the guilt trip on Labor Day weekend, Ryan. No, it's true. We're the only hope for the lost and dying. And Jesus continues this metaphor that he wants you and I to be like, and he says, similar to a light, a town built up on a hill cannot be hidden. Right? I don't know uh, if you've ever been up to Duluth or that area and there's all these hills and you, you can see things way up on these hills. And, and Jesus is saying, if you build a town up on a hill, it cannot be hidden. And that's what I want you to be like. Jesus is saying, I don't want you to be hidden. I don't want your faith to be hidden. I actually want you to shine brightly for me so that those who are in darkness can see that someone has some light. And Jesus continues. He says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl, right? I mean, Jesus is making an obvious statement. Why would you light a lamp and then put a bowl over it and cover it up? That would be really dumb, right? We wouldn't do that. And so he says, instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, here's Jesus bringing it back to us individually. He says, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This whole word shine, let your light shine, is to let people know that in the midst of all the hurt and pain that this world can bring us, we still have hope. We still have peace. We can still have joy through every circumstance. And God is saying, I want that light, that joy, that faith. I want people to see that in you, that they would notice a difference in your life. Now here's your interesting fact of the day. Are you ready for your interesting fact? If so, say yes. Here's your interesting fact that in our lifetime, in your lifetime, that you will walk about 115,000 miles. Okay, in your lifetime, that is four times around the earth. It's pretty impressive. And with roughly 2,100 steps in a mile, it means that you and I will take approximately 243 million steps in our lifetime. 243 million steps. It makes me feel better about eating those cheese curds this week, all right? right? I walked it off. I walked it off. That's a lot of steps, but let me ask you a question, and it's your next fill-in on your notes. Will you choose to use your steps wisely? Will your steps have an impact for eternity? All the steps we take throughout the day, will we use them wisely? Will they have an impact? And what if I told you this morning that a life could be changed forever simply by using 10 of your steps? That if you were willing to take 10 of your steps and use them wisely and for kingdom purposes, you could actually change an entire life. I want to read a story to you from a friend of mine. And he was an African-American Muslim. And he said that you could imagine with his current line of business and sales that it hasn't been an easy go for him. He says, as you can imagine, I've had a lot of struggles in social settings. And in my profession, we have a lot of cocktail parties and other evening events. The natural pattern for me is to show up fashionably late, graciously accept a drink, and get something to eat. 
and throw my efforts into trying to make some business connections. And as soon as I think I've lasted as long as social etiquette requires, I discreetly plot my exit and then leave. It's just something that I've learned to deal with. He said, one night I was at this type of party, and as usual, I noticed several small groups of people forming to chat about this or that. I wasn't included, but by now I've become accustomed to that kind of scenario. At one point, I saw a man on the other side of the room engrossed in conversation with a few people of his own kind, if you will, and suddenly he looked away from that particular group and noticed me standing alone by myself on the far side of the wall. And this is exactly what happened. He removed himself from his conversational click, walked clear across the room, stuck out his hand to me and introduced himself. You know, it was so easy and so natural, the Muslim man continued. And in the moments that followed, we talked about our mutual profession, about our families, about business and about sports. Eventually, our conversation found its way to issues of faith. I took a risk in telling him that I was a Muslim. I was a little hesitant about how he'd respond. And he told me that he was a Christ follower, but that truth be told, he knew almost nothing about Islam. You can imagine my surprise when he asked if I would do him the courtesy of explaining the basis of Islam over a cup of coffee sometime. Can you believe that? He said he was a curious type and genuinely wanted to understand my faith system and why I devoted my life to it. The next time we met, whatever doubts I had about him truly wanting to hear my beliefs were quickly dispelled. He really sought to understand my life and faith. We began meeting almost weekly, and each time I sat across from him, I was stunned by what an engaged and compassionate listener he was. One week, I even took the opportunity to ask him about his beliefs. You see, I'd become a Christian as a kid, but I'd left God and left the faith, left the church altogether because the one that my family attended was so racially prejudiced. I wanted no part of that Christianity. And when the tables were turned, I was on the receiving end of his faith story. He patiently described why he'd given his whole life to this person of Jesus Christ. I couldn't believe how easily the conversation evolved and how respectfully and sensitively he conveyed his love for God. And despite our deep-seated religious differences, we were becoming fast friends. It, w- it went on this way for some time as we'd meet to hash through nuances of our faith experiences. Sometimes he would ask me for a couple days to figure out some answers to my questions And other times he knew exactly where I was struggling and seemed to have the perfect words to untangle my confusion. There finally came a day, I remember, being home alone when it happened, that I felt totally compelled to pray to God. I kneeled down beside my couch and I prayed to give my whole life to Jesus Christ. And in the space of about a week, that single decision changed everything in my world, every single thing. What an amazing story of a man who is willing to take 10 of his steps and simply walk across the room. Let me ask you this question, and it's your next filling on your notes. 
What if redirecting a person's forever was really as simple as walking across a room? What if it really was that simple? What if we were willing to leave our conversational comfort zone and engage someone that we didn't know with hopes that maybe the Holy Spirit would arrange a conversation about spiritual things? Have you ever been at one of those parties or business gatherings where you walk in the room and you only know about 2% of the people in the room, right? And where do you naturally gravitate towards? Towards the people you know, right? And you're like, oh, I'm really nervous to be in this room. There's a lot of people I don't know, and so I'm going to go with the people that I know. Of course we do that because we all want to feel safe. And after all, we've been told our whole life not to talk to strangers. And so, you know, we're just continuing with that theme. But what if in that moment that God had a special assignment for you on that day? What if there was someone like this man who desperately needed to hear an encouraging word or someone that would just reach a handout and courageously begin to build a relationship with them? You see, I believe this, that inside of every Christ follower is a spiritual radar that can detect what God is trying to do in any environment if we'd be willing to turn it on. Putting on those headphones to listen to that music doesn't do any good unless you plug that cord in, right? And sometimes it's that intentional to think, God, I want to hear what your spirit's trying to do in this environment and how you might want to use my life so that I could shine brightly for maybe somebody who is in darkness. And I believe that once we turn it on, we become aware of how God wants us to use, wants to use our life and our story to impact the lives of those around us. And what I know is true is that every single person in this room has a story. You have a story about what God has done in your life and where you were before and now where you are now and the things that you're still working through. Last week you learned how to share that story in a very simple tool, in a simple way. But really, this is all you need to be effective in sharing your story. These two things. Are you ready? Here it is. Here's the crux of it all and it's your next villain. These two things. A willingness to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and a willingness to leave your comfort zone. Now you might say, Ryan, that sounds awfully scary to me. And it does, it is at first, and the more you do it, the more you engage, and the more you ask the Holy Spirit to use your life, the easier it does become. And this confidence really isn't found in us, but in Acts 1.8, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Champlin and Maple Grove and Brooklyn Park and Anoka and Ramsey and Plymouth and New Hope and Minneapolis. You'll be my witnesses, but it has nothing to do with you being an extrovert. It has nothing to do with you mustering up enough courage. But the Bible says that you will receive this boldness when you've asked the Holy Spirit to help you and the Holy Spirit to be your guide. And you know what I've found is true? And maybe you've found this to be true as well. That the average person is way more open to talk about spiritual things than we even realize. Their heart is actually craving 
to have some of these discussions, and we hold back, maybe in fear, because we think, well, what would they think of me, and what if they're offended? But the truth is, people are way more open than we think, because people are interested in finding solutions for the broken part of their lives. Because if they've gone through their teen years, and they've gone through their 20s, and maybe their 30s, they've realized that the remedies that the world offers does very little in putting our lives back together. I remember just a couple weeks ago, I was in my office, and, and, and we're kind of in a bigger office complex, and we have some shared restrooms, and, and so I went down to go to the bathroom, and I walked in, and, and one of the custodians, his name is Jeff, and I had gotten to meet him a little bit earlier, he'd done some work in our office, and so he knew that we were like the church people, you know, and that we were those weird pastor people, and here he is, he's on his knees fixing this toilet, and the toilet's all torn apart, it's on the ground, and I was like, hey Jeff, how you doing? He's like... Oh, fine. You know, I said, well, how was your week? He said, man, I had a really crappy week. No pun intended, you know. And I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. And I said, well, why do you have a crappy week? And he just went on to tell me how this was going wrong and that was going wrong and this relationship with his kids and ex-wife and, and things were just kind of a mess. And, and he goes, and I know that you're one of those church guys and that you'd probably need to tell me to pray. And to be honest, I probably need to pray. And actually, I'm in a really good position right now to be praying because I'm on my knees so I just agreed with him. I'm like, yeah, you're in a good spot, man, to be praying. And, and I said, well, what was it that you would pray for? And he said, I don't know, maybe just some answers to try to figure out what's going on. And in that moment, I just felt like the Holy Spirit whisper, here's your moment in this bathroom while he's working on a toilet. No more opportune time than just begin to share some of your faith story. And so I said, you know what, Jeff, there's been plenty of times in my life that I have wondered what to do and where I'm going to find some answers. And the cool thing is, is that as I read the Bible, it tells us that God is not a respecter of persons. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how rich or poor. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. That God's always willing to meet us right where we are if we are willing to open up our heart and ask him to help us. And he said, well, you know, he goes, I used to go to church. He goes, in fact, I went to a Jehovah's Witness church for a long time. And he goes, and after a while, he goes, I just, things weren't adding up for me, and I just was having a hard time connecting everything, and it just felt like I was going through the motions, and he said, life got busy, and I just, you know, I just stopped going to church altogether, and, and I said, well, Jeff, I said, the cool thing, too, is that the Bible talks about how it's really not about going to church and all the religious things, but it's way more about a relationship that God wants to have with us. And this whole time that I'm standing there trying to share, just saying, God, I don't know what to say. I was just hoping that some dude wasn't going to walk in the bathroom and see him holding a toilet and me praying for him or something in this bathroom. I'm just like, man, this could be like one of the most awkward bathroom experiences ever, you know? Like, what do you do? Do you just slowly walk out of the bathroom? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, I shouldn't be here right now. And so I said, but God, if you want me to pray with them, I'm willing to do anything you want me to do right here in this moment. And I just began to share how God wants a relationship with him. And I'd love if he would come to church with me sometime. And he said, oh, I would really like that. I'd really like that. And just then, someone walked in the bathroom. And I just felt in that moment, like our conversation had happened, but that God had placed me right there in that moment for that time to plant a seed in his life. And it would be great, wouldn't it, if every single time we shared someone, they instantly wanted to pray for Christ to change their life. But it doesn't always happen that way. You see, sometimes our role is just to break up the hard soil of someone's heart with a kind word or a good deed. Sometimes our role is to plant a seed of God's love in their heart by sharing what God has done for us and the hope that we've found 
Sometimes our role is to water that seed that someone else has planted. And sometimes our role is to see that person turn their life over to God. And you've done this in mass by inviting people. We've always said around here, you know, invest, invite, and share your story. Invest, invite, and share your story. And over the last four years, we've seen nearly 500 adults accept Jesus Christ as the leader of their life. And it's because of your willingness and your boldness to say, God, I want my light to shine brightly for those that are in darkness so they could have the same hope that I have. You see, our role, your next villain, isn't to determine which part we should play, but simply to be obedient to play any part that God would have us to. That we would just be obedient. I mean, if I know you, I know that you want to be obedient. I want to be obedient to God. I want to be able to, for him to use my life in certain situations. Luke 8, 16 gives us another mental image of this. He says, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who can come in will see the light. They can see the light. You see, the single greatest gift that you could ever give someone, it's my personal belief, is an introduction to the God who asked his son to, do, to go the unthinkable distance to redeem them. And sometimes all that, introdu- all that introduction takes is a simple walk across the room for you to take 10 steps through a bathroom or 10 steps through an office by office cubicles, 10 steps in that one board meeting or that neighborhood gathering, and God would use us. When you think about Jesus, he did something similar for us, didn't he? In fact, he didn't just walk across the room. He walked across all space and time continuum, leaving the unbelievable joy of heaven to put on human flesh and become one of us. And while we were still sinning, he died so that we could have light. See, you and I, we know what it's like to be in darkness. We've experienced it before we've been there. And because we've seen the light and we've seen this hope that Christ can offer, it builds a certain level of confidence in us. And my hope, a desire that we would not leave people hanging, but that we'd be willing to ask the Holy Spirit to use our life. What if God could use us to change somebody else's life through a simple conversation? A couple years ago, I was flying home from a trip, and I sat down on the plane, and I had the middle seat. Oh, I hate the middle seat. You know what I'm saying? You just feel squished on every side. And here I'm in this middle seat, and there's this older woman next to me. She's probably in her 60s, and, you know, wouldn't you know it, you know, chatty Kathy right here to the right. And so I'm just like, oh, man. I'm sitting down, and, you know, sometimes you're just kind of tired, and you get on a plane, you're like, okay, good. I have like two solid hours where no one can bug me. No kid can ask for anything, right? My wife cannot nag me to do something. Not that she does that because she doesn't. But just from time to time. But here I am. I'm just thinking, oh, this is going to be so great to sit down. And sure enough, Kathy over here, you know, says, hey, what's your name? I'm Ryan. Hey, what do you do for a living? And I always hate that question because... You know, anytime you tell someone that you're a pastor, it's like that unwanted plague that you've been hoping not to get, you know, and, 
And so sometimes I'll just say, well, I work with people, you know, or I work in kind of a social setting and try to make people's lives better. I'm a motivational speaker sometimes. I don't know. I just try to make stuff up, you know, so I don't have to, like, admit it. I don't know how motivational I am at times. But so I sat there, and, and, and so I just said, well, actually, I, I, you know, I work at a church. Oh, what do you do at a church? Well, I'm, I'm a pastor. Oh, that's wonderful, you know. And, and I was like, hey, I got one in a million right here. She thinks it's okay that I do what I do. And so... She just began to ask us about our church and what we believe, you know, and are we, you know, those weird people that handle snakes and all that stuff. And I said, you know, only sometimes, you know, and I said, don't worry about it. And, and uh, you know, she, she began to tell me, I just began to ask her, I said, well, what about your faith background? What was your experience like? And she said, well, I grew up Catholic. And I said, hey, no worries. We have plenty of recovering Catholics that go to our church. It's fine. Um, you know, I, I know lots of recovering Catholics, and she laughed, and it was a good way to break the ice. And I said, so what was it for you? And she said, well, all growing up, you know, my parents took me to church, and I went through the catechism, and I went through all those things that I was supposed to do. And, and then I had kids. I left for a while. I had kids. I decided I should probably go back. And she said, as I went back, she said, I couldn't help but just feel like there had to be something more that God had for me. She goes, I just couldn't escape this, that I kept going through rituals and things that were not changing my life. And she said, and then I had a son, and he had a really hard time, and he started using drugs and alcohol and was an addict, and I went to the church for help, and they refused me outright because of the choices that my son was making. And she said, I determined in my heart that day that I'd never go back to that church. And she said, so to be honest, she goes, I haven't gone in about 15 years to church. And in that moment, in my head, I'm screaming, God, what do you want me to say? God, what do you want me to say? I don't know what to say. And I know maybe you think as a pastor, we have all the answers. We don't. I'm like you. I get afraid. I'm nervous. I'm like, God, I don't know what you want me to say here. But it was obvious that God was steering this conversation in a direction that he wanted to go, and it was no accident that I was sitting in that seat for that day and that time. And the only thing that I could do was apologize to her and say, I'm so sorry that in your point of need, there was people that you looked up to spiritually that turned their backs on you. So I'm sorry for that, but I want you to know that that wasn't God turning his back on you or your son. Because a lot of us people, we just kind of get screwed up. But the Bible says that God's love never changes. It doesn't matter how low you find yourself, your pit. It doesn't matter how ashamed you are of your child's actions. God's love is never too, his arm is never too short to even reach your son. And I just want you to know that he loves you immensely and it has really nothing to do with religion or going through the motions, but it all has to do with the relationship that Jesus Christ wants to have with you. And if you're willing to ask him to forgive your sin, and if you're willing to invite him to be the leader of your life, he will begin to change your whole family. And she said, I want to do that. I want to pray that kind of prayer. And so there in that plane, we prayed a very simple prayer for her to turn her life back over to God. And after I got done a little nervous but yet excited. I was like, man, I'm so glad that I sat here. I'm so glad I didn't slip on my headphones right away. But that the Holy Spirit used me in this moment. 
and for every single one of us in this room. God wants our light to shine brighter than it ever has before because there are many people that live in darkness. There are many people that on the outside look like they have it all together and yet at home they feel depressed and hopeless and wrecked because they're searching for some sort of meaning and purpose in this life. And the reality is there's nothing that our government can do to fix a human life. There's nothing a program or some social sector could do to put our lives back together. There's only one way, and it happens in the person of Jesus Christ. When we're willing to give up our lives and say, God, I want to follow you with all that's in me. And for those of us that have found that way, God would say to us, don't light your lamp and then put a bowl over it but shine like a city on a hill. Receive the boldness from my Holy Spirit. And as you ask for opportunities, he says, I'm gonna give you opportunities to share your story of faith that it might inspire others to take some steps toward him. I don't care if you're 14 or 40 or 80. This has nothing to do with your age. It all has to do with these questions right here as we close. Are you willing turn on your spiritual radar would you be willing to turn that on and say God I want to be aware of what you're doing in this environment would you be willing to listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit that when he says speak we speak and when he says be quiet we're just quiet that we look for opportunities and God if you want to set up a faith conversation I'm willing to walk through this opportunity and would you be willing to leave your comfort zone and walk across the room 10 intentional steps that could forever change a life, forever change a family, forever change a generation, and one day they could spend eternity with us forever. And maybe for you, you're like, man, that, that it sounds, I mean, I want to be there, but I struggle with this fear piece. And God said, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And as you engage the Holy Spirit, you'll find, you'll surprise even yourself as God uses you to share with others about the great news that Jesus Christ is the light of the world and we can't hide it. So would you mind just closing your eyes all over this room as we get ready to pray? Not that there's anything spiritual about closing our eyes, it just helps us focus right here in the, mo- in the moment. So I want to speak to our teenagers in the room. I want to speak to the college students in the room, the adults, the older adults. Every single one of us have a role to play. And all I want us to do in these 30 seconds is to ask God to use us. We'd be aware of what he's trying to do. We'd turn on that spiritual radar and that he'd use us in faith conversations, even this week, to share with somebody who needs to hear that good news. Or maybe you're here today and you came in and you feel far from God. And maybe you think that you've ran so hard the other way that God's love could never change your life. And if that's you today, I just want to let you know that you couldn't be more wrong. That that same love that has been extended to many of us in this room is extended to you as well. 
And if you want to pray a prayer like that lady did and ask forgiveness of your sin and willingness to make him the leader of your life and turn the other way, he will do that right now in this moment. So just 30 seconds between you and God, let's do that right now. great heavenly father we thank you for your great forgiveness that knows no bounds and a grace that never runs out that has found a wretch like me and changed my world and for those that prayed that prayer this morning I pray that you would fill them with that same kind of experience they'd recognize that everything in their life is beginning to change For all of us in this room who claim to be followers of you, we want our heart to be your heart. And the same things that you desire, we want to desire. And we know that you came to seek and save the lost. And so would you help us to turn on those spiritual radars and be aware of how you want to use us, whether it's to invest, to invite, or to share our stories. Would you give us opportunities to intentionally walk across the room and, and engage someone in hopes that your spirit would create a faith dialogue between us? That we can deposit some great hope into people's lives. So use us this week, we pray. What a privilege it is to know you and to shine brightly for you. To come against the fear that might fill our hearts, but that your spirit would give us the confidence with our light, we can brighten an entire room. We can brighten an entire office. We can brighten a home. We can, we can brighten a neighborhood. We can brighten a community. We can brighten a workplace because of you living through us. And so we mean this as we pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.